Hot stock prices are becoming more important as more companies are looking to merge and have that stock price be actually meaningful. So just being publicly traded, not as important. We're gonna take a look at a graph from Viridian Capital Advisors with deals that were worth at least $25 million from uh, US cultivators and retail sectors that were buying other cultivation retail companies. We're gonna take a look at that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So what you're looking at here is a percentage of mergers and acquisitions in the green line, and that's against a cannabis index in the orange line. Again, that's just a U.S. cultivators buying up other cultivators for at least $25 million or more. Looking at a positive historical relationship between cannabis stock prices and the percentage of stocks used in M&A deals. You're hearing more about debt being used, but is that just because of FOMO and investors being you know, open to taking anything they can get before, just if you were publicly traded, that meant something. And then there's just a rush of speculation. Now, actually stock prices mean something. And so as you're looking, as companies are looking for more accretive uh, post-merger deals to help the stock price, assuming that means something to do with maybe fundamentals or overall interest and volume and, and looking at that. So companies' currency increases in value. They want to use that for further transactions and, and keeping that momentum going. So black line on the graph is an upward trend for the percentage of stocks used in cultivation for mergers and acquisitions, typically not a lot of companies wanted to touch the plant in the very beginning. Those were just OTC, unregulated kind of. Now you're obviously seeing a lot more companies want to be vertically integrated and there's no backlash and there's federal legalization, global legalization, inevitable, uh, just a matter of when. And so you're going to see the, the money behind it. And that's what, exactly what we're seeing. So 70 percent plus figures shown between fourth quarter of 2021 and first quarter of 2022 are exactly what Viridian believes that what this emerging trend of higher stock components. So counterintuitive, maybe given the fact that cannabis stocks are now multi-year lows, but that could just be because they're Momo stocks, moving a momentum with federal legalization, not independent of their own fundamentals or even technicals for that matter. So Viridian has kind of laid this out for three reasons of why companies are starting to use stock more often. Number one is that targeted companies are increasingly looking at the stock merger consideration of an attractive investment. So rather than just you know, being able to write off a billion or 3 billion that we've seen from Aurora and Canopy, they actually need this to be a creative and do something because there's probably limited capital behind it, like do something or you're done. And so they're having to be very, very strategic rather than just the shotgun approach and, and cross their fingers and hope it works out. Another reason for the uptick in the amount of equity is you're seeing a lot of, of mega mergers and that's kind of what we've been calling for for a while is merging because they don't know what else to do. Kind of Tilray didn't know and Hexo wasn't, you know, I think they, they kind of had some, uh, I think they issued, I, you know, I don't know, but they probably, it was probably about money and they probably had some notes that were coming due and they didn't have a way out. So that's what I'm assuming. Otherwise they would have just kept writing that out and they wouldn't have attached themselves to a zombie. But uh, we are seeing mega mergers, and this is mostly all stock transactions, all stock deals. So both of them would rather just kind of work together rather than trying to crawl uh, independently. 
Third reason for, for the use of stock is that you're seeing everybody get hammered. So even though can, one cannabis company's stock price might be lower, they can still use stock because the person they're buying stock is worth even less. There's a valuation gap between uh, larger corporate companies and smaller companies. And obviously the valuation gap of a public company versus a non-public company. And so they're able to um, utilize that, that advantage of having a higher valuation, even though maybe a stock price is lower because their overall market cap is, is higher. So demand is higher and therefore able to utilize more, more share uh, to gobble up more companies. So that's kind of what's happening is you start to see mega cannabis and, you know, until, um, until the next wave of, of craft cannabis can come out of the ashes. Fourth component to people, uh, companies issuing more stock is that some of these smaller companies are just kind of throwing their hands up, figuring that it's going to be more advantageous to combine with a larger company and get the economies of scale, lower cost of capital, um, and stupid money. Sometimes it's just hard to say no to that. And so um, if you have access to capital and it's cheaper and you're able to expand and do all of these things, um, a lot of these companies are, are tired. They're hustlers. They've been doing it for a while and, and they just realize that maybe uh, it's time to get some of that stupid money. They can, they can reinvest it and keep going and doing something else. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to say no to that initially. It's also hard staring down some of the budget uh, of this, some of the behemoth, uh, you know, um, MSOs. You can't really compete against that. So I've said, you know, you're going to be a Larry's Handy Mart in a world of 7-Elevens. Kind of hard to envision that. So when the opportunity comes and they do present this, you know, stupid amount of money, it's hard to say no to that you know, unless you think you're going to have this legacy or, you know, you're, you're going to be able to compete. The, the reality is you're not unless you have a solid, solid uh, product. And if you're just a retail company, you've got nothing um, except the location. So that's why I think you'll see more acquisitions, more mergers, um, and uh, the industry kind of becoming more global and normalizing uh, as you, you see, uh, the drumbeat of federal legalization and cookies has already taken advantage of that with international contracts and strategic partnerships and kind of paving that way for them to take advantage of a global brand. And those that are just kind of staying in one state, that's cool and all, um, you know, maybe uh, a brewery can do that, but I'm not sure that a, uh, a craft cannabis company will, because you have to like those guys don't the brewery doesn't grow the hops themselves right they just brew it so if you're going to be a, a producer that's one thing processing it and, and selling it is another so i'm not i'm not sure that that's um going to work out for a lot of these companies even though you might have a few hundred breweries in one area uh, i'm not sure it's going to be directly correlated because the you know product's got to come from somewhere so um, it's an uphill battle, nonetheless, to find those craft growers and find that, you know, those cultivars that you really want, uh, because the, the big boys are definitely coming in, you know, big cannabis is here for sure. And it's going to create a competitive landscape, but it's going to come at a cost. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.